This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. We're now, unfortunately, in the beginning of another war, apparently a very different war, here in the Holy Land, here in Eretz Yisrael. And it wasn't very easy for me to even turn on the microphone and begin recording. But a Jew does what he has to do, and I have stories to tell. And so I have a story for you from Reb Shmuel of Lubavitch, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was known as the Maharash. And he was the youngest son of the Tzemach Tzedek, Rabbi Benachem Mendel Lubavitch, who of course was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. And Reb Shmuel would have a custom that would calm his mind and allow him to connect with the greatness of Hashem running the world. He would have a driver drive him in a carriage in the countryside near Lubavitch. And on the way, he always passed by a certain small village. And there was an inn there that was owned by a Jew. And Reb Shmuel never stopped at the inn. However, on this occasion, he decided to tell the driver to please stop and allow him to get off. And Reb Shmuel descends from the carriage and walks into the inn, expecting to see the husband and wife who run the business. But instead, he only saw their two small children. And so the Rebbe Maharash says to the children, Where are your parents? And they say, Oh, they've gone out to do their business, but they'll be back soon. And Reb Shmuel says to them, and where's your Malamed? Where is your religious teacher? And they said, ah, we're now in Ben Azmanim. We're in a time where we're taking a break from learning. And he's at home with his family because he went for the month of Tishrei. So the Rebbe says to them, tell me, what do you two learn? And the older one, who wasn't very old, he said that he learns Chumash. And his younger brother, he said, and I can read Tehillim. I can read the Psalms. Very well, the Rebbe said. Let me test you. Can you please bring a book of Tehillim, and I'll see how you read? And so they went, and they brought a sefer, the book of Tehillim, from the bookshelf. And the Rebbe opens it up, and he asks them to read out loud. And as they read, the Rebbe read along with them, word for word. And they read, and they continued reading until they got to the end of the Pasuk. And they read together word for word, and then they read other passages. The Rebbe would open up the book and point to the children. They would all read together. And as they're sitting there and reading, the mother came home. And to her shock and surprise, she sees the Rebbe's carriage outside of her inn. She wonders to herself, what's the Rebbe doing here? And she quietly enters the house through the kitchen. And she hears her children and the Rebbe together saying to Hillam. And of course she didn't want to disturb them. It was a beautiful sound hearing her children reading. And the Rebbe, such a great tzaddik, reading along with them. And as she sat in the kitchen and listened to her children and the Rebbe reading, a deep sadness came over her. And she didn't understand it. And she was so moved that she started crying. And she didn't even understand why. And the Rebbe continued with the children for a little bit longer. And then he closed the book of Tehillim and was about to leave. 
And when he reached the door, he stopped and stood there for a few minutes. Then he came back to the table where the children were. And he said, children, you know what? It was so beautiful reading Tehillim with you. Can we please read a few more verses together? And of course, the children enjoyed every moment reading with the Rebbe. So they were more than happy to read again with him. And again, they went back to reading all of them together. And the mother felt something in her heart stirring. And she didn't know what it was. But she was grateful that the Rebbe was there. And then finally, the Rebbe said, Okay, I'm going to leave now, children. Shalom. Take care of yourselves. And he went onto his carriage and drove back to Lubavitch. And the mother was so emotional from feeling this wave of emotion and sadness and trouble that came out from the words of Tehillim that the Rebbe said with her children. And she didn't say anything to the children. She just kissed them on the heads and said, Thank you, my beautiful children, for saying Tehillim so wonderfully. And they're waiting for the father to come home. And he doesn't come home. And it's already dark. And he's not coming home. And now the mother's getting concerned. And many hours pass. And still he wasn't home. Now the father had gone out to collect taxes because amongst his jobs, besides running the inn, was collecting debts from some of the peasants in the village nearby. And he was supposed to be back in the afternoon, but the hours continued to drag on way into the night. And the wife and their children began to fear for the worst, chas v'shalom, God forbid. And at midnight there was finally a knocking on the shutters. And the wife goes and opens the door. And she sees her husband take a few steps in, and then he collapses on the floor. She was relieved that her husband was home, and he seemed to be unharmed, but she couldn't understand what happened. And after a few minutes, he sat up, and he told his wife and children what happened. He had gone to collect the debt of one of the creditors in the village, and the man who owned the farm, who the Jewish innkeeper was collecting the debt from, he said, please come into the barn, since I'm paying you in grain. We'll have to count it out and wait there. And so the Jew and the farm owner, they go into the barn. And as soon as they're both inside, the farmer closes the door and locks it from the inside. And he says to the Jew, your days are over. I'm going to kill you. And the Jew starts laughing. (laughs) What do you mean you're going to kill me? What a funny joke. We've known each other for 30 years. We're good friends. What do you mean you're going to kill me? But then he realized that the farmer really planned on killing him. God forbid. And he said, why Why would you do that to me? And the farmer said, because I can't pay back my debt. And I'm tired of you coming here and collecting debts I can't pay back. And the Jew said, but it's not me. I'm just collecting the debt. So someone else will come and collect it. The farmer said, I don't care. When I make up my mind, I don't change it. And I've decided that I'm going to kill you. And that's that. So the Jew, he doesn't know what to do. He's trying to figure out how to run out of the barn. And the farmer is looking for his axe in the barn, but he can't find it. And he realizes that he left it in the house. So he ties up the Jew to a post in the barn, locks the door, and goes out to look for his axe. And only a few seconds later, the farmer's wife, who had been working in the fields, opens the barn door and sees a Jew tied up to a post. And she says to him, who are you and what's going on here? He says, please, my dear lady. Your husband owes a debt, and I simply came to collect it, and he wants to kill me, God forbid. Please, you have to let me go. She said, I can't do that. My husband would kill me, God forbid. When he makes up his mind, he doesn't change it. If he said he's going to kill you, I can't let you go. But the Jew begged for his life, and he said, please, you have to let me go. I'll tell you what we'll do. You'll let me go right now, and I'll go hide, and you'll run back to the fields. 
And then you come back and meet your husband as he's walking back to the barn. And he'll never suspect that you release me. And she looked at this Jew and she was a good woman and she released him. And she said, you better go quickly and don't go on the highway because my husband's going to chase after you and find you. He won't just let you go. You make sure you hide really well and stay there for many hours until it's night. And then carefully work your way home. And so he ran into the fields and hid himself. And a few minutes later, the husband comes back from the house and he runs into his wife and she says to him, what's going on? He said, oh, I'm going to kill a Jew. She said, really? Where is he? He said that he's in the barn. He's tied up in the barn. She said, okay, let's go together and see what's going on over there. And when they get to the barn, he sees the door is open and the Jew escaped. And from his hiding place, the innkeeper could see the farmer searching for him everywhere. He was scared to death, but he kept quiet as the farmer looked through the fields with the axe in his hand. And at one point, the farmer came right next to the Jew, but for some reason, he didn't see him. And then he turned around, and after a few hours of looking for the Jew in the fields, he angrily went back home. The Jew remained in the fields until it was very dark and then slowly and quietly worked his way out and stealthily made his way back home. And now the wife understood why the Rebbe visited. During the first reading of the Tehillim, her husband had been saved from the farmer killing him in the barn and been released by his wife. And the reason that the Rebbe stood in the doorway and waited for a few minutes was in order to save the innkeeper from when the farmer was searching for him in the fields. And at that point, the mother understood the true power of Tehillim. Tehillim said, from the mouths of children, in the mouth of a great tzaddik, like the Rebbe Maharash. And so, my sweetest friends, I decided to tell this story today, because we're going through such very difficult times here in Israel, a story that I normally wouldn't want to tell on the podcast. And whenever anybody asks me, what can I do? How can I help? I tell them to read Tehillim and Davin for the Jews here. And people many times look at me with a funny face and they think, couldn't be serious. Saying Tehillim is really doing something? Saying Tehillim is doing so much. Your words and your thoughts and your actions matter. When we were dancing on Simchat Torah and the sirens were going off and missiles were being blown up over our heads, I told the congregation, Ki basimcha teitzeu, you will get out of your troubles through Simcha. We're not soldiers in the field. We're in shul. And our job is to be basimcha and to dance and sing as loud as we can so that Bezrat Hashem will be able to conquer our enemies and live in peace. So say to Hillel, my friends, it makes a difference and it matters. I have one more short story for you. The great rabbi, Rabbi Yerachmiel Moshe of Koznich, told the following story. Once the great rabbi, Rabbi Baruch of Mezhibuz, 
was traveling together with a Jew named Reb Leibish. And now, as everybody knows, Reb Baruch was one of the grandchildren of the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov. But not just that, he took over as a successor of the Baal Shem Tov, being one of the great Rebbes of Russia and Ukraine. And he's traveling with this Reb Leibish and telling stories of his grandfather, the Baal Shem Tov. But he looked over at Leibish and he sees that he's not taking the stories seriously. He thinks they're Bubameiser. They're just a bunch of nonsense. And when they reach a certain village, Reb Baruch gives Reb Leibish his pipe and tells him, here, take a smoke and step down and go refresh yourself in the inn over there. And so Reb Leibish and Reb Baruch come down the steps of the wagon. And Reb Leibish goes into the inn and Reb Baruch gets back on the wagon and tells the driver, let's go. And they take off. And when Reb Leibish comes out, he finds himself without any way of traveling except for walking by foot. And it would take quite a long time to get back to Mejibuz. But he knew he had no choice, so he started walking. Then it started to really rain. A heavy rain came down. And it completely drenched. And by the time Reb Leibish reached Mejibuz, he was soaked to the bone. And he sees the first house just outside of Mejibuz. There's a candle in the window. And he goes and knocks on the door. And he says, can I please come in and warm up for a few minutes? And the old man who lived there, he said, sure, of course, come inside and warm yourself up. And the two of them are talking. And the old man says to Reb Leibish, so where are you going? And he said, I'm going to the rabbi of Meshibuz. And the old man said, who's that? And Reb Leibish says, you don't know? It's Reb Baruch, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. And the old man said, you know, I've been to the Baal Shem Tov, and he was a great Rebbe and a great Tzaddik. But I've never heard of his grandson, Reb Baruch. And then the old man told Reb Leibish about his connection to the Baal Shem Tov. He said one time he needed a blessing and some advice from the Baal Shem Tov, and he went to see him. And when he got there, he saw there was a huge line of people waiting with scraps of paper in their hands, all waiting to speak with the Baal Shem Tov. And he stood there for such a long time, it came time to say the Tikkun Chatzot. The prayers said at midnight, begging Hashem to bring Mashiach and rebuild the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And realizing that it was time for Tikkun Chatzot, the old man decided he would go to shul and recite Tikkun Chatzot and then go back in line and wait to see the Baal Shem Tov. And when he arrived at the shul, who did he see there? None other than the Baal Shem Tov, sitting with his chassidim, saying Tikkun Chatzot. So the old man was confused because he had just been at the Baal Shem Tov's house and he saw all these people waiting for the Baal Shem Tov. And he didn't see the Baal Shem Tov walking to shul along with him. And here, not only does he get to shul and see the Baal Shem Tov there, but the Baal Shem Tov is surrounded by his chassidim and already in the midst of saying tikkun chatzot, he doesn't understand how this could be. So he runs back to the house of the Baal Shem Tov. And what does he see? The Baal Shem Tov is sitting there, taking the scraps of paper and giving people blessings and advice, just like before. So the old man said he doesn't understand. He runs back to the shul, and the Baal Shem Tov is saying the tikkun chatzot again. And then the old man realized that the Baal Shem Tov was truly a wondrous man. In the morning, Reb Leibish, he woke up, and he went to Reb Baruch's house. And Reb Baruch said to him, You should know, my sweetest friend, that Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet himself, teaches that old man that you spent the night in his house. And I hope now you believe in the greatness of our Rebbe, the Helege Baal Shem Tov. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, please keep on davening for everyone. And God willing, we'll hear good news. And we'll see with our own eyes how Hashem never forsakes the Jewish people. And that the nation of Israel will be strong. And the people of Israel will be strong. And that every person will be strong in their heart, in their mind, in their body. And I look forward next week, Bezat Hashem, to having much better news to share. Zai Gazun, my sweetest friends. Thank you for listening and thank you for all your support. Zai Gazun!